What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Sunday, June 30th, 2013. You guys are listening to episode 116. Um, I was going to have it on a Friday or Saturday, but it got crazy, and uh, you'll know why when you meet my guest. Uh, I have a very special guest on this episode sitting here with me, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, now coming to us from Los Angeles, but he is sitting in my living room here in New York, and it's his first visit here in a long time. Jason Lawhead, uh, thanks for being on the show. New York! It's great, buddy. This is a great living room. Boxes everywhere. Oh, the move. Uh, this the is move. great. This is, uh, yeah, you're in the move, man. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. I'm on the TVE. You the, are. All the TVE listeners are you were supposed there. to be it. You were supposed to be on it when we were um, on tour, but... Uh, we got so drunk, we didn't know how to... <laughs> Open up a laptop computer. We got so we we ended up getting so drunk on tour that no one knew how to open up a laptop. Oh my god, dude, that was uh, you know yeah. For all you guys that know, um, the tour that we did, the dirty South, the dirty South tour that I opened for um, Bill Burr, Jason we Lawhead was on uh, was on the tour opening for Bill Burr, and that's where we we met. We kind of met. Well, we knew. Here's the thing. You know, uh, Burr and Lawhead are out west, and I'm obviously on the east coast. And since I'm a sports guy, Bill's a sports guy, and Jason is a sports guy, Bill would tell me things about sports about Jason, and I'm sure vice versa. And we never met. No. For like, that went on probably for like two and a half years. A couple years, because we were like Facebook friends, and we would comment on each other on stuff um, without having met, and just like once in a while be like, dude, I can't wait to meet you. This is going to get ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, it's gotten beyond ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Uh, Burr was calling us long-lost brothers. I mean, you guys, this guy and I, um, one of the, one of the I guess, legendary stories that, that uh, they talked about was we, our bus driver, uh, Steve, uh, who was fucking hilarious, a guy from uh, Mississippi. Yeah, I think he held the, I think he held the bat. Uh, that when Ozzy bit off the head, Steve was holding it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's seen everything. Yeah, this guy has been driving rock stars, like, just been driving everybody around for 30 years on the bus. And he says, man, man, I seen, you know, he's one of those guys, man, I seen this. Like, he was the bus driver for, for Kid Rock when Kid Rock got arrested. We talked about that. When Kid Rock got arrested at the, for fighting in the Waffle House, Steve was the driver. So he's driving us, and we're up, and we're having this legendary night. Um, on the bus, we're arguing. Burr and I got into a, a sports argument or kind of a, a New York versus other states argument that got really heated in front of Jason's father, who's a legend, by the way. Your dad on that trip was unreal. Unreal, right? The uh, guy was... Uh... Jason's dad is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. He's one of the best basketball uh, coaches in the state ever, in the state of Ohio, um, for high school. And, you know, won 500? How many wins? Uh, yeah, over 500 games, well over. So He's uh... won over 500 games, and he was on the trip with us and you know such a cool dude drinking his wine having a good time and he's sitting and he hung with us that night till about i would say like three yeah he was in there till about 3 30 because what we were going from en route to birmingham to charleston which was like a nine hour drive or eight hour drive so we did the shows in birmingham on whatever like wednesday night and we jumped in a bus and we were in central time zone and right, we right. moved into the Eastern time zone, so, so it was like oh, it was like two right. thirty went to three thirty, and then we were up to like four thirty, and yeah. and, and my dad packed Your it in dad after the argument, it, and, and then, then Burr followed shortly Burr thereafter. Burr until about five, maybe five, yeah, 
And the bus stopped because Steve was like, we're going to roll in too soon here. So we might as well just pull off because Steve needed to get some rest. So we weren't in right. Charleston. So when the bus stopped, Burr went back to the... Right. And, and Steve took a bunk. And you and I just... Uh, broke the wax off of another bottle of Maker's Mark. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> broke the wax. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. Steve was like, "Man, you know, I need like seven, six, seven hours." You know, like he's one of those. And we're like, "Yeah, we get it, dude. You've been doing this thirty years. You know what you need to do." So Bill goes to bed, and now it's me and Jason. And it was probably one of the first nights that we, because we met each other the first day that uh, we flew in. We met each other at a bar the first day when you guys came back from the set of Anchorman. And um, we had a beer, and halfway through the beer, it was like it was just this like weird kind of connection, like oh my god, dude, this guy, and you know, Bill knew, and Bill told me, and Bill told him, when those two get together, it's a it's a fucking it's a wrap, dude. It's over. It's, it's I over. mean, it's like fitting that we like met over a beer, yeah, and. Uh that's yeah. what we're doing right now. Yeah, at, yeah, we're uh, drinking on a, a Sunday night. Yeah, and wait till we talk about Friday. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, you know. <laughs> Didn't I tell that you? That looks good on you, though. So we're 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 um we're sitting on this bus, and where are we going? Where was it? Where was the ride from? Well, was uh, ride? first day it was uh, Atlanta to no, no. Athens. No, no, no. Oh, the, we were the, Birmingham okay. to Charleston when he parked the bus. Okay, we're going Birmingham to Charleston overnight, and. Everybody else is sleeping, including the bus driver. We're, we're pulled over, and we're sitting in this big, beautiful, luxurious bus, and just 6 o'clock goes by, and 6.30, and we crack open another Makers, and I swear to you, 8.30 in the morning, the sun's out, the birds are chirping, we're sitting there, and the bus driver gets out. The, we, see the, we hear the door slide. The bus driver gets out, and he's scratching his head, and he kind of looks at us and then looks back and then looks back at us, and I swear, he goes, y'all got to be shitting me, man. And he goes, man, I've been doing this 30 years. He goes, I ain't seen partying like that in a long time. And 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 the next day, Bill and everyone was asking him, like, really? He goes, man, I've seen that, but not in years like that. Like, we had one for the fuck. I mean, we were loaded. And we're sitting there. And we kept going. Like, we I mean, we just kept going. We, kept, I mean, we, we talked about every single thing from... We talked about everything. everything. We talked about, you know, we talked about comedy. We talked about our lives, where we're from, what we're doing, sports. I mean, you fucking name it. We, we were pouring the... We were pouring the Maker's Mark out at the end of it like it was a ketchup out of a bottle. Like there, I was like slapping the bottom of Maker's Mark on the oh. last drink to get oh. the last drink out. And we didn't go to bed till about 8.30, quarter to 9. And No, no, it was ridiculous. And, and the cool thing was when we bonded, um, we had this thing where um, Bill was saying that like we were like the sons. Like we were like the kids. So here's what we would do, okay? You know, and that was the first time we worked together. So, so Jay would go up. And mur- and which and you you he murdered, uh, which is front. legal in the south. Yeah, <laughs> he he murdered up front, and then he would get off, and he would be high from the murdering. You know, I mean, all these people. I mean, I think the I think the smallest I think the smallest room we did was twelve hundred. Yeah. So you'd come off, you'd you'd float off. Oh no no no, Birmingham. Well, Birmingham was, a, was a bit Birmingham. Of club. That was the only comedy club. Right. It was five hundred, but whatever. Right, right. But you know, like he'd go off, he'd come off, and like he would go, and he would go, and he'd pour himself, he'd pour himself a Maker's, right. And then I'd go on stage, and you'd watch me. Then I'd come off, and I'd be real happy. 
And we were like two little kids because the bus would be right outside. So we'd run into the bus and we would grab a drink and we would be like, all right, we'll hang here. We'll sip the drink for a little. And then we're going to go watch Bill for a little. And we'd run in and like two like little kids watch him, you know, uh, you know, watch a mentor of ours, uh, you know, a dear friend, you know, do what he does. And then afterwards, all of us together would be on the bus. And, and that's basically like what happened. And it was really amazing. And then when you and your dad left the tour, me and Bill only did like three other shows after that but we felt the void you know like we were just I remember the first night we were in Tampa and you guys weren't with us and Bill straight up looked and was like dude this is not the same without them like this is not and yeah, I'm like Bill no. said that he was like you guys in honor of my dad didn't sit in the one seat that my we dad didn't, always we didn't, said we didn't, and you left we, it untouched yeah we left it untouched until the last night I was like you know we were watching Goodfellas and I was like alright man one of us needs to sit here for the and he was like alright but just for Goodfellas just for so, Goodfellas so, so that was it but no and I remember calling you from the green room in Tampa you remember that yeah I, I was in a green room in Tampa and like Bill Bill was on stage and I was like lonely and Jason wasn't there so I called him and you were going to see the movie 42 oh that's you, right yeah yeah, yeah yeah and you were with a buddy and I was like man this is not you know this is not the same so anyway you know the tour happens and, and I've talked about it on the show and it was amazing and I don't see Jason for a long time and Jason tells me um, you know uh, dude I'm, I'm thinking about coming to New York how does this block in June look for you and I'm like well first of all dude when you come you're not you don't have to I mean first of all you don't have to you're staying with me and let's just see and like you know let's try to you know i'll try to get you on so you know stage and it worked out where this block worked out you performed at gotham you performed twice at Lev. we performed twice at levity together mm -hmm. you performed at gotham and um last night we did the eight o'clock and the ten o'clock at the stand which was epic shows oh my god epic unbelievable lineups it was like an all, it was like an '87 American League All Star team. No, it was here was the lineups last night. I'm not I'm not even kidding around. Like it was one of those things where you're like, holy shit! Um, I hosted both, and it was uh, Mike Vecchione, Ted Alexandro, Big J Okerson, uh, Danny Labelle was on the first one, uh, Sherrod Small. Nikki uh, Glazer. Nikki Glazer. And then the next one was, you know, same thing. It was, uh, Jimmy Norton. Uh, yeah, Jim Norton shows up on the 10 o'clock show. So it was Vecchione, Jim Norton. Um, Lawhead goes on both sets and, and ki did great. Killed um, uh, Sherrod, Sherrod Small. Um Ted Alexandro again on the second one and it was just it was just one of these nights where it was like both shows packed out crowd loved it and it was awesome for me because I, ke I kept having the opportunity to go back on stage and throw something else out there and you know interact with the crowd and stuff which it, it was just a great night but it was a hard night because of what happened on Friday so Jeez. so so here's what happened now um, Friday night we, we were off so he Jay, you performed Tuesday at Gotham. Tuesday Gotham, Wednesday, Thursday at, at uh, Levity. Levity. Okay, yeah. So Friday, nothing to go on. We right. golfed on, like, what, Thursday or Wednesday? I don't even know what day it is now. We golfed one day, which we'll talk about later. Well, yeah, we'll talk luck. about when we get to sports, we'll talk about yeah. golf because we, we golfed, and uh, it was uh, um, so fun. But uh, one story which uh, Jay likes better than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Specifically on 16th. Yeah, yeah, I had a, uh, let's just I had an infamous 16th. For, uh, oh, my God. That 16th hole will haunt me. 16th hole at McCants in Poughkeepsie will haunt me. And I had, he, he, he was doing his best John Vandeveld impression from the uh, British Open of like 95 or something. And I had fucking my stepfather and this guy staring at me. I could feel their eyeballs burn in the back of my head while I'm standing over the ball. That's another story. I'll get into that after. So we do the shows. 
Um, and Friday night is like, you know what? We're not booked. We can probably try to get on somewhere. But how about I just show you New York City? You know, we're working a bunch of shows tomorrow night. We've worked on, we've worked almost all week. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go to New York City? Yeah, I just came off like 10 shows in Chicago the week before, so I, I was fine with that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you work with Sebastian, who's a fucking... Aren't you embarrassed? Um, we have similar tastes in comedians, and another thing we're going to do... And by the way, I have a lot of... I have a lot of a lot of young comedians listen to the Verzi Effect podcast, and so I think one thing that'll be cool this episode is um, you being from Cleveland and now in L.A., you've touched so many parts of the sure, country. I'll do the best so- I can to break their spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, we're going to go over our favorite, you know, favorite comics working today, stuff like that, why we like them. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I also, by the way, guys, I did get your, um, I did get your, um, you know, your, your feedback on the advice I gave on dating and all that. And by the way, uh, going to the sponsor real quick, the Verzi Effect podcast show is sponsored by Butterfly Radio. Download the free app on your iPhone today. Butterfly Radio allows you to send uh, up to a five-minute audio message to your favorite podcast, and they could reply back to you personally. And they also put up some of your favorite podcasts where you can listen to full episodes, like Jim Florentine's and um, Ralphie May and Joe Rogan. So you can all of your favorite podcasts and great podcasts that are on there, you can listen to and download the free app. It's an awesome app if you like podcasts, and you could start your own podcast if you register on ButterflyRadio.com. So please do that. Um, they're they're great and jason has a, a podcast a sports podcast which we're going to get into and talk about after which congratulations is doing very very well thank you so early and, and it's and it's great especially you know if you love to listen to somebody who really knows their shit about sports and comes from a sports town now um so friday we decide all right look you know uh lawhead's thinking about coming to new york you know, um, he knows some comics that recently did it. Ari Shafir recently did it. Uh, the scene here, you know, there's a lot more, you know, there, there's great shows, a lot of stage time. And you've been out in L.A. doing it for a while, see so a change of pace. You haven't been in New York in years, so he said, fuck it. I'm going to show you the scene a little bit. We'll go, we'll go check out Stand Up New York. We'll go check out some shows at The Stand. We'll just walk around the city, certain, certain areas in New York. So we decide, uh, after we dropped off my daughter who gave us hell, Love and that girl. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Jay, Jay's loving the kids. Love, uh, in love with the. I can't believe you made kids that cool, and I just can't <laughs> believe it. As much as I love you, I still, I'm a little bewildered and and uh, flustered about how you made children this amazing. Both your son and your daughter are awesome. Oh, thanks. Children. Yeah, no, Let's and you know he's get that out of he, the way. he's fucking sitting I'm like an here, Uncle Jason already. And he's yeah, and he's like seeing the house upside down, and getting, we're moving, and kids, and he's seeing the life, you know, how the both sides of it, which is basically you're seeing the documentary I'm doing. Yeah, first hand. No, absolutely. First hand. So we dropped the kids off to my mother-in-law. God bless her for watching them. And we're like, let's go down to Little Italy. And we didn't realize that on the weekend, they block off all the streets so you could walk. So it's basically like a festival, you know? So we're walking around Little Italy, and we're like, all right, let's get a pint here. Well, we had to go visit my favorite place, and I'll give them a plug, even though they're not sponsored. Do that, because you were like, Paul, I'd love, to, I'd I love, love to get a pint at this place. So talk, The tell- Spring Lounge. So the first time I ever uh, went to New York City as a comic in my life, uh, my brother knew the town really well from, from, uh, from working in it, and I went with a couple guys I started with, and we stayed right around the corner from this place called The Spring Lounge on Spring and Mulberry. Just a great New York pub, you know, cut from the cloth of what you would expect a New York pub to be 
And uh, I told Verzi, I'm like, listen, I gotta go in there. It's almost like honorary. It's a it's a thing that I have to do. It's like sacred ground. I gotta walk in there and have a pint. Took him in there. At first, he was like, ah, it's because it's a little crowded at the door. He wasn't sure he's gonna like it. We snuck in. We got our pint. We moved to the back of the room, and we just looked around. It's just one of those great old pubs. You had a great time, right? We just swallowed down a pint and just kind of. I got to soak it all in. I got to soak it all in, which was when, great. When we and it, that place mean, place means a lot to me. Yeah, I could tell it did. But when we went there, the first thing I thought of was this is not my spot this is not a spot for me and like all right me me and lawhead we've been on tour we've drank together we've had a good time but maybe we have different tastes in bars because it was a mob scene and you couldn't even walk through the front door which i don't like i like it more laid back but when we went in and we got the beer you were like no there's a little area in the back you know and and there's there'll be nobody there and it, it was we you know you go through just just a, you know whatever you you walk 15 yards and then there's this little what'd you call it like, like a little nook yeah it's just like this little you know by the bathroom very pubby you know yeah, wooden and, tables wooden stools and we were able to put our beers down and sit there and we drank and like you're looking around and you're going oh my god I'm fucking like he yeah. had to look like I'm moving to New York because of this bar yeah I mean it's just the nostalgia of like good it reminded me of like the good friends I had when I first went out there the guys I started with and uh, you know you as being a new great friend it was like it was important to me to go in there with you and have a pint and just kind of like yeah. you know revisit those uh, good memories so it was awesome man. Uh, all God bless the people at the Spring Lounge they always put on a good show <laughs> yeah so then we go to to um, uh, Crudos. Crudos in Little Italy, right on... Crudos uh, in Little Italy, and yeah. we throw down, um, we get a, a dozen, dozen oysters. Blue points, and, the and size a, of ashtrays. And a Peroni. Yeah, and a yeah. Peroni. So, so now we're Freak on out our... a couple of Swedish girls. So now... <laughs> oh, oh well, my she God. was wearing a bra. Oh, my God. What, am I going to look? Oh, my God, I got to tell this story. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. This is... Guys, this is so funny. <laughs> this is so funny. Because everyone's got the friend that just, just does this. So... We go to Spring Lounge, get a pint, go to Crudo's, get a pint, eat some oysters, and we're walking, and um, Jay sees, we see these two, there was two girls, two blonde girls or whatever walking, and, you know, I look over and Lawhead's got his The kind of candy daddy likes, you know what I mean? The one was the kind of candy I like. I'm just Lawhead's got his, like, fucking Superman laser eyes on to the point where I'm trying to talk to him, and you know when you're talking to somebody and they're going, yeah, but, like, he was fucking trying to... Like, if looks could fucking, if he could, if you could truly see through somebody's dress, he would have been fucking looking at these girls naked for fucking, for blocks. Let me tell you something. I looked like, I looked like the, the, the lion on a hidden camera <laughs> animal planet show ready to attack a gazelle in the brush. It's but like, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're walking down the street and like, he's looking, you know, looking at him and, I'm, and you know, oh yeah, what, whatever, you know, like. And look at that girl, look at that girl. And we're just walking. And I noticed that I'm talking. And he's like 10 yards in front of me, like having this like, like almost creepy faster pace getting closer to the getting closer to the two girls. So me, you know, being a dick busting balls, I say, not realizing how loud it was because there are people walking on the street. I'm a little buzzed because I just had two pints rather quickly. I didn't eat anything, so I had like four fucking raw oysters in my gut. We did not eat dinner yet. So I say loudly, I go, Jesus Christ, Jay, why don't you just tackle her? Unbeknownst to me, they hear it, 
And now they start looking over their shoulder and they get creeped out and they see him in front of me walking faster. She looks over her shoulder, whispers to a friend, and now they're in panic mode and they run and duck to the side, duck into like an alleyway. Duck into like, oh my alleyway. God, walk over here, but walk over here. And I didn't realize how loud I was. So it was just, it was so funny to see like these two touristy girls thinking they're the shit and then hearing me go, Hey, dude, why don't you just tackle her? How yeah. far ahead are you? And they just looked over, and it totally creeped them out. But yeah. you were. you That was hilarious. Well, you know, you're in New York for a short weekend. You got to... <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you got to, you know, the, 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 you got to go get it. Right? The, the prey is only out there for so long. You know, it's, it's a seasonal, it's a seasonal hunt. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I was waiting for the British voice to come over like, but this time the lion is denied. Oh, oh, that's you know what, what I mean? Like, that, that, it was no, like this totally time the like lion's a, friend screwed him over, yeah, which is exactly, my bad. Like, yeah. Oh, and this time the jaguar comes in and the jackal. What would happen if I didn't say anything? You end up strangling her from oh, behind. Man, Jesus yeah, Christ. A, you know. <laughs> so duffel bag. Right so now. so here so here's what we're doing now. We're like we got to eat, okay? Because we're drinking, we're and we're having a great time. We put money in the meter till we didn't need to worry about the money in the meter anymore. We're like we're staying here. We're gonna stay in Little Italy probably till ten or after, and then we'll go and we'll check out the comedy scene and blah blah blah. You know, the whole time I'm trying to sell him on moving here, and he's having a great time. I don't have to sell you that hard, do I? No, you don't. You know, he's looking around like I'd fucking live in Little Italy. Like it was it was a great time. So we find, we're asking places. Uh, we wanted like sliced meats and all kinds of stuff. And this one guy was like, oh, you could go over here, down there. And I was like, that's really cool that an owner of one place told us to go somewhere else. And we ended up like not, the place that we were going to go was closing. So, you know, let's go to the back to that honest guy. And they guys had those in, two guys sitting out front that were like, just like the greatest meatballs in town. Oh, there was one guy sitting out yeah. front, must have been 400 pounds, one of the nicest guys. He goes, ah, they got great meatballs here. Trust me, I know the guy personally. And then he looked at me, he goes, trust me, I've had a couple. I tried a few. Yeah, <laughs> I tried a few. And, yeah. he, and, he's, and he was like, you know, 400 pounds. Just great. Pounds. Like, dude, I mean, just like, I was straight out of central casting for like a Sopranos. Uh, yes, you know. yes, exactly. He looked like one of those fat guys on a Sopranos, like sitting outside the deli on a chair. Exactly. So we're like, let's just eat here. So I walked over to the owner. I go, you know something? You, you directed us somewhere else, away from your place. Mm -hmm. We're coming here. So he's like, oh, great. Sit down. Guy couldn't have been nicer. We're talking on his awning and on his menu. He had a picture of his mother and his grandmother. The name of the restaurant, if you go to Little Italy, is called um, Benito One. Benito One, and that's on, uh, is that on Mott? Was it on Mulberry? It was on Mulberry. It's on Mulberry. We were going to go to Lamada, uh, uh, Lamella. Lamella. Um, there was a couple of them we were going to go to. Um, one of the funniest things we heard was, and I'm not making this up, I call my manager. You guys have heard my manager. My manager, Chris Italia, we talked about food a lot. He was actually on my 100th episode, talked about how he got into comedy and, and all the food and shit. He loves food. So we're on the West Side Highway, and I go, well, who should we call to find out where to go? Chris Italia. It's a no-brainer. So I go, Chris, where do you think we should go? He goes, ah... Go down to this. I don't want to say like names, and then so I'll say the restaurant. I won't say I won't say the restaurant names, but he goes, yeah, go down here, and I want you to ask for like he said like Baby John, and uh, when you ask for Baby John, tell him Pete the Hook sent you. And I'm sitting here going, I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm like, I just I wanted some meatballs. I don't want to be a union rep for you know uh, waste management. <laughs> sign a confession. I thought it was. You know, like, and I was there. like, "Are you serious?" He goes, "Yeah, man. One guy down there. Don't look him in the eye. Like, don't look him in the face." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, "I'm like, dude, face. we just want some fucking meatballs here. Like, we we like. Don't it was just to the, the point where I was like, "What are we going into?" Then he goes, "Are we gonna get out of there?" <laughs> yeah, go, are we getting out of there? <laughs> yeah, are we gonna make it out of there. It was ridiculous. Um, so we don't go to any of those places. We go to Benito One. 
uh, we had great cold antipasto. We had we had two orders of meatballs. It, it was a good time. We had uh, uh, our beef carpaccio oh, was amazing. The, the cheeses and the, 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 the fresh mozzarella, the fresh provolones, uh, a bottle of Chianti. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So then that's the thing. So we have a bottle of Chianti. So now we have two pints of bottle of Chianti. We're eating, and um, we're feeling really good. Now it's after ten o'clock. We go. But over the best s- was the company, Jimmy, the owner. Jimmy, the owner, who we who, who steered us straight, sat down. He told us Mickey Mantle stories, Frank Sinatra stories. Story, yeah. He's been in the neighborhood, born in the neighborhood, still lives in the neighborhood. Born, born and raised on Mulberry Street. Worked at a restaurant there for 28 years or 38 years or something, and now he owns this place for the past few years. Couldn't have been nicer. Told like you said, he told us amazing Frank Sinatra and and um, and Mickey Mantle stories, and it was it was just a great time. We were like, and you were just like, you were in go- you were just ah. enthralled in the city. I just, I mean, that company and the, the, that food and that whole experience and sitting in those outdoor cafes and just looking at the tr- you know street traffic. It's like mall walking street and people across. The- the street at other places and uh it's just you know i felt like i was in a movie i felt like i was in a woody allen movie just, yeah uh, you know what i mean like just sitting great. on a corner and just a, such a beautiful place so uh and then we go over we leave there we go over to stand up new york had a couple had a couple <laughs> no, had one. then we go had over, a couple then we go over to the stand and then that's where you really kicked it up. Like, you went to the stand. And oh, boy. I'll tell you what. I was like, Swanson, over there. Move the boat over there. Give me the boat, Swanson. I'm driving. I just put it on full throttle, oh like Rodney God. on his yacht. Oh, my God. And he, it was game time. Oh, dude. he we like. I switched was, over to Maker's Mark. Yeah. Which, which I love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it turned into Jameson. It was just a really. Patrons. I did shots of Patrons with women I didn't even know. Yeah, fast forward. And then somebody tells me, I mean, I'm not going to get into the full story because whatever, whatever happened, happened. But then somebody tells me, because the, sh- the, the crowd at the stand on the Midnight Show wasn't good, and somebody says, and I'm defending the comedians, and somebody goes, yeah, well, you know what, you wouldn't, you'd be all right. And I go, I don't know, that crowd was, and I'm drinking, and they're like, go on. And I go on stage, and I, I, I didn't want to do jokes, and I, I kind of said some things, and then, you know, which, which, which I'm going to get into here. Because I do want to talk about, I do want to talk about. First, I want I want everybody to understand Jason, where he comes from. So we're going to talk about that because we have a, a great guest, very talented guest here, and I want to make sure that you guys get get that um, as as much as you can from from that. But I do want to talk about drinking and performing because I, I didn't go on by by no means did I go on stage, you know, full fledged like drunk blacking out. But it made me say things that were actually honest. I wish I could be that way. I wish I can be that way always, but at the same time, I was talking to comedians about it, and they're like, "Yeah, sometimes you can be too honest, and that could." Ask Paula Dean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like she, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? And and like we were upstairs, and we were talking about, um, we were talking about something upstairs, and I basically said like, the word faggot is kind of the new N word, like because when you say the N word, you know, you feel like it's wrong. And I feel like now in New York City or these places, they say saying faggot. You're start. You're supposed to get that same feel. And I was like, you can't even say it anymore. You used to joke with your friends about it, whatever. So I go downstairs drinking. Jason was. I mean, Jason had the pedal to the metal the whole time. Like whether I whether I was going on stage or not, he was drinking, doing shots. It didn't matter. Yes, I was buzzed from the night, but I wasn't where we got later. Thanks to uh, somebody that we're gonna. I actually got a PUI at the end of the night. I got a passenger under the influence. They <laughs> they pulled us over and they gave me a ticket for just being too drunk in the passenger seat. So, so yeah. So so here's what happens. Somebody he- I'm not gonna use names. Somebody hears me say, 
I say to somebody, man, that guy's funny, man. That guy should work this room. Somebody else says, yeah, man, but that dude just had a tough set downstairs. And I go, everybody had a tough set downstairs. It's shitty. And they go, yeah, well, you would do all right. And it was just a guy busting my balls. And he goes, I'll put you up right now if you want to do it. And I go, well, I'm not going to say no to stage time. So, yeah. So I go on stage, but the cr- I, I was already upset with the crowd and drinking. And I'm like, I'm not going to just go up there and fucking dance like a monkey and, and do bits. So, um, what I do is, you gonna grab a beer? Yeah. Yeah, grab me one. Uh-huh. Uh, so, what I do is, yeah, this is a very laid back podcast here. We're, we're sitting here and we're, we're drinking some beers and we're just fucking shooting the shit. I really hope you guys enjoy this one because uh, it's probably, it, it's, it's probably gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're into it already, but we got some stories. So, I go on stage and I'm like really kind of... I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. They were handing out glow sticks. There was like this young kind of immature vibe in the room. And I thought really good comedians that should have been getting more, should have been getting more, weren't. So I go on stage and I'm like, fuck it. I just started trashing hipsters. And I said, you can't even say the word faggot anymore. And I said, you know. But you can say hipsters. (laughs) Yeah, you can say hipsters. Thanks. So... So after I say that, I was like, people freak out. I go, it's the new N-word. And I actually said the N-word. I go, I said it. I was like, you know, when you say the word, and I don't want to really say it, but I'm going to say it. So when you say the word nigger, E-R, you will f- your brain and your, and your heart, if you're a good person, know it's wrong and it feels wrong. And I said, and that's what it's, you know, that's what, you know, faggot is now. And all of a sudden, the whole room gets fucking weird and quiet, like to the point where they're like, all right, this guy's just going for like saying I literally took the conversation we were having upstairs and I put it on stage in a kind of defiant way because I didn't like the crowd and um, I don't have them uh, and then I said is there any gay people here because I wanted to ask a gay dude like how do you feel about that word and the guy go yo I'm gay uh, yeah right here US Marine Corps and it was like the toughest it was one of the toughest gay like usually it was like Gabo cop <laughs> That guy, he was like, he was like, he had an eye patch. Yeah. No, he no. had an eye. I'm not. No, this isn't, isn't a joke. I'm not writing right now. No, he, he had, had an, an eye patch. He had an eye patch. So, but like, I thought when I said, "Is there anybody gay here?" I thought there was gonna be. I didn't. I didn't think it was gonna be a flamer like, "Hey, I'll be, but I thought it would just be like maybe a guy raising his hand or a guy saying, "Right here." No, it was this. Yeah, right here, right here, U.S. Marine Corps, and he leans over, and he must have been six two with a fucking patch over his right eye. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know something, dude? I just go. I normally would say something now, but like, you have an eye patch and you sounded like that. I'm leaving this alone, you know. And that got kind of got some laughs. And anyway, and 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 then I had fun. I, I mean, then I went into some jokes. I ended up getting clap breaks. I ended up turning it around. You had a great set. I but but I started off being like I was a little defiant. Now here's the point. I and mean, I've never seen anybody get heckled by a gay pirate. And for you to go through that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. What I should have said was, "Is that how you lost the eye?" Boy, I said, "Yeah, you got you're really diving into it, aren't you, sir? Good lord, maybe take one on the chest." Um. You know? So anyway, but the point of that is this. 
And, and it was really nice to have young comedians come up and go, wow, man, like that was really refreshing and cool and really funny. Um, you really had your, you really were, were fucking being straightforward. But you do have to watch. Now, I wasn't drunk enough or blacking out enough to do something really stupid. I was just super, super honest and I made a room awkward. And this is what the next topic I want to talk about right now, okay? Because I didn't. I was on the line and I was having fun and I was being honest. But there were some comedians that do what I did to another level because they were drinking all night, because they continue to drink, because they bring a drink on stage, and I've seen it. Now, I'm under the, I'm under the impression, and I, a lot of close friends of mine, probably that's why they're close friends, because we think alike, yourself included. I think drinking when you perform, I think it's unprofessional. I think it's a, it's a mistake, and I think that... Um, the, well, here's the pro, because there, there's cons, there's pros and cons. The one pro is if you do have one wine or you do have one drink, it does give you this, not that you didn't have the confidence before because I'm not. it's not a confidence thing. It does give you a looseness where you just kind of feel like, ah, you know, like when you're at a family barbecue and you have, you're like, ah, you, you could just, you're just, you're into it a little more. I think that that does it. Now, that could lead to bad habits. I'm not so much against that even though I don't do it, but I'm talking about people that drink, man. Have you ever seen a dude drunk on stage? Oh. Like, 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 I'm, I'm talking drunk on stage? Yeah. Oh, there's several comedy. You know, I started in Cleveland. Yeah, by the way, uh, yeah. Jay started in, in the Cleveland comedy scene and used to, and, and at a great club where some of the gr- best comics went through You know, there. when I first started out, and I had my own room with an, uh, another comic down on a, like an underground bar, kind of like what what the stand is, but, you know, a little, ground, a little place in Cleveland. And I hosted shows when I first started in that first year or so. I drank. I mean, I drank before. I, 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 did, I did a host set, and I might have one or two in me, so I wasn't drunk. But by the time I was bringing up the third comic, I was, you know, I was in handcuffs. And uh, that's how much I was drinking, you know. But when, but since <laughs> since I've been a professional comic, a pro paid comic, working as a working comedian in the last good handful plus years, I stopped that shit a long time ago, and you know it was on the advice of many others. Oh, so you were just, on stage drunk? Well. When I was first starting out as an open micer, I'd be on the stage with a drink or having a few in me on my set, like I said, but I was never a blaster drunk on stage, but five or so years, you know, go, you know, basically when I really started turning the corners of comic and becoming a paid working comic and knew that this was a a place where I could keep, continue to get booked somewhere else, I said, no, 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 no more. And I don't take, I don't, I don't take anything before I go on stage. Uh, Every great while on a two show night, I might have a beer in between because you've already already got that like first set in you and out of you so like just a beer to cool your pipes is one thing uh but i don't take drinks on stage i never take drinks on stage um i i never drink before uh sets especially when i'm working you know like the other night at the stand you jumped on for a guest set you did your thing uh you had a drink you weren't really booked you weren't being paid it wasn't a set but you know hey listen i just did 10 shows in zanies when i work for these guys and do these big shows I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm an employee of the club at that point. I, I'm no bigger or better than the bartender or the waiter or the guy working the door. They can't come in drunk. They can't drink on the job. I'm being paid by the club to entertain the people that have paid tickets to come through the door. And if there is, uh, you know, these young comedians out there listening, as you claim, then don't do it. Get out of the habit, and if you are in it, uh, change your habit. I mean, as and, I claim, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> but that's just my piece of advice. That's my stance on it. I don't think I don't pass judgment on a guy that goes up there with a beer, and, or or maybe has a couple drinks ahead of time. But 
uh, if uh, if a comedian goes up there and is clearly off his game, you know, here's the problem: is sometimes comics go up there and they think because they've had a few in them, they think they're funny, they but they don't realize they're not, and the crowd can smell that and sniff it out. I'm not going to name names, but I worked with a guy recently, and uh, he got a little hammered before the the, the show because he thought it was going to be a bad show. He was already accusing the crowd that it was going to be a shitty show before they even got any, and I was featuring. And I was in the back of the room, and he was bombing, and he was drunk, and he was blaming the crowd for every joke that didn't go right. And they weren't bad. They weren't a bad crowd. I looked at the headliner, and I said, these people want comedy. They want it. And you know what? I went up there and turned the crowd around, had a great set. The headliner rode the wave and killed. And the message at that point was... Don't assume anything as a comedian. Don't assume because, oh, the crowd might be a smaller or it's a weird night that they're going to be shitty so I can, I, I can get away with being drunk. No, fuck that. I just don't believe in it. Uh, what you did the other night, you weren't hammered, hammered. You know, you went up there with a little shine on. You were challenged to go do a set. I thought you did a great, honest set. I thought it was very funny. I thought people awkwardly got put in a position and then you turned them around and oh, thanks, uh, finished man. a strong, strong set and made people realize that you had a point to what you were saying. You weren't just spouting off words and people right. people at the end of it realize oh yeah this guy you know actually actually you know brought something to the surface so um i, I my opinion is paul keep drinking <laughs> no i'm kidding you well, know you what know, I mean. you know the crazy thing is i i said and i'm not, I'm not gonna lie i i said the n-word um as a, a, in a way that i said it's a very uncomfortable not a good word to say but i said it three times on stage and you know well, what jokes come in threes <laughs> and and you know and you know what I said you fast cocksucker. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I said I, I, I looked at the crowd and um, all the black people which there was a, a handful of them there was a lot of them actually more that there was a, there was a table to look and they were clapping and going nuts and all the white people were uncomfortable because the black people felt what I was saying because they understood what I was saying and the comics understood what I was saying but like you said it made it uncomfortable but I, I'm not gonna lie as much as I'm saying drinking is unprofessional. The, the couple of beers that just loosened me up enough and the conversation that I had before I got on stage, it was a combination of the two. We were talking about it at a table. I went downstairs, looked at the crowd, said, I'm not just telling regular jokes now, and I brought it to the forefront. And you know something? It was amazing that, like, I got a response after that, like, wow, this dude's going to say something real. Now, that's one thing. So maybe I'll have one pop. No. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but, y- you know, you can't. I think it looks bad for the. See, that's another thing. The owners watch. The staff talks, okay? And I know that. I work with guys, obviously not going to mention names. I work with guys at comedy clubs where the staff goes, hey, he's going to have one or two. That's it. He's got to be cut off or we, you know, there's going to be no more tickets for this guy because this guy just keeps drinking. I worked with a guy, and this was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And, and, and um, I called people about this. I called comedians about this. I saw a drinking display when I worked with this one comedian who I think is a great comedian. I saw this dude, okay? I saw this dude drink. I am not exaggerating right now, okay? I'm not. And it's probably something that this person has done for a very long time and their tolerance can handle it. I saw a dude drink probably six beers on stage and four double shots of Patron in the same set. So I saw a guy drink eight shots of Patron and six beers during a set on the first show and then do that or a little more on the second show. Didn't phase him one bit. This dude was drink to the point where I was like, I think we counted 
This guy was almost on 30 drinks, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, this guy might, might die tonight. I've never seen some shit like this before. This guy, now, there's obviously a, maybe a, I don't know, I don't want to get into anybody's personal shit, but if somebody can handle that, then that means they've done it before. Who the fuck am I to judge? That's their prerogative, it's their business. But for me, if I have three beers and go on stage, I'm, I'm probably going to be a little different. If I have one or two, I might just be a little like I was the other night. A little, you know, a little little extra. A little, little mustard on a fastball. Oh, yeah. But if I have six beers, dude, and I go on stage, like, I might get escorted out. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, not, not because I'm going to fall down, because of things I might say. You know, because I don't want to just fucking... Because you, you almost get... Like, oh my God, he shouldn't say that, and then you get like, oh fuck. And I don't, I don't see the thing is, I don't, you know, I shouldn't say escorted. I'm not an angry, I'm not an angry drunk. People who see me drink go, man, you just want the party. Like you're like me. We 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 want the party to continue. Friday. Jeez. I mean, let's just say, guys, we're still doing it. Yeah, we're drinking. We're still drinking from Friday. Yeah, and fr- Saturday when we performed at the stand. Saturday, you were good. You, didn't didn't have. I didn't have a drink until. Yeah, after. Well, that was because that was because you almost puked until seven. You were you had one wow. of the. Yeah, you were. We bad. haven't even finished that Friday night story yet, have we? No, no, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. But um, Friday, well, we're in it basically. The, the, the Friday night of you yeah, Friday dropping n- n- bombs. Yeah, Fr- exactly. Friday night, I went on stage. I said what I said. I didn't get that. You know, we I waited a little bit, but we came home when the sun was out. Jason fucking looked like a fucking suburban hit his face oh, for, from like three o'clock to six. He just was. And then we went to my house, and uh, my wife and kids and mother-in-law were shopping for the new house all day. Thank God. Thank Christ. Yeah, and and I uh, slept till six. Yeah, he slept till six, and we had an eight o'clock show um you were hung over right until basically you got on stage i was hung over until i got on stage and then the lights just kind of woke me up but i had a great set i had fun and, had a great uh, set i went out after uh nikki and uh the crowd was fun i had a great set second show you know i had to follow essentially uh ted alexandro and jim norton and mike vecchione and these guys are monsters yeah. and uh, i had another great set i had a blast i mean everybody had great sets the crowds were hot that night and uh finally after i got off that stage at that second show um, you know the cold sweats had gone away, and I just started drinking again. We had another blast last night. I mean, it was just a week long. No, it was, it was, like it was a drink it was, it was, it was, We we were we were we were drinking at night, but we were doing it after we worked. We were playing golf. We were we were just having a great time. We were. And, um, now now let's talk about this. And by the way, Jason Lawhead, and I've said this. He's a he's the Michael Jordan of mimicking. For for years, Bill Burr said. Because they go to the Rose Bowl every year and uh, they drink, they 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 tailgate, and Lawhead does an impression of Reggie Jackson coming out of the dugout. Okay, you want to talk about like he does an impression from when he comes out of the dugout until he runs to first base. So everything in the batting stance, the helmet, the spitting, I round all the base. The, 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 he rounds all the base. He gets he does the thing with his shoulders wiggling the bat back and forth. I go. I do the impression from stepping out of the dugout. To the on deck circle, to the box, to hitting the home run, to getting congratulated at home plate, I go, I go, I go back into the dugout. And it's not just somebody and come going, back out of the dugout right. for the curtain call. But you guys have to understand something. It's not somebody doing it. It's not somebody doing it like you would just somebody normal going. Yeah, yeah, no, watch. This is what he did. He studied it to the point where I, he did. We were all sitting down. And Burr told me, Burr goes, "You're gonna. This is the most unreal thing." Now I live in New York. I have the Yes Network, which is the Yankees Network, and they show on Yankee Classics. They show it. So I've seen those swing and misses. I've seen the swing and miss when he goes down to one knee. I've seen him. You know what, what he does with the helmet and the head and the spitting and the glasses. He even does the one finger lift up to the glasses, guys. It is so spot on. You also do Willie McGee. Willie McGee, Dave Park. I got an arsenal of greats. 
Well, you did one where Pete the guy Rose was Dave Parker, the Dave Parker swung and, and missed him. into his father's arms or son's arms. Dave Parker swings and misses, and the bat goes up in the air. Uh, big, I do a whole pitch. I do a whole count. I mean, I, I commit to everything, and you're right. I mean, when I do these, I just don't do. I do the whole pitch. I do like a four-pitch count for Parker. I do Pete Rose's breaking Ty Cobb's record. I do a Willie McGee impression. Oh. I've got, uh, you know, I've got several in my tool belt. Um, you know, Reggie. I got Ricky Henderson's one of my great impressions. So good. Um, so good, you guys. I do you a know. George Brett. I mean, not George Brett Batten. I do a George Brett Field and go to him, do, go into his left in the hole and throwing out the guy at first. Uh, I got them all. No, he does. He, he and, and he does the mimicking is is so good. Um, now I want to talk about this. You've been living in Los Angeles for how many years? About uh, two, little over two. San Diego a couple years before that, before I moved from Cleveland originally, where that's where I started. Okay, so you've been in California about for, five and a half, five. six years, six okay. years, six years, six years. Because even when you went San Diego, you drove out to LA, of course. I drove up to LA quite a bit, okay. but yeah, I was living. There's a good, co- there's a good comedy scene in San Diego. Met a lot of really good people okay. that put me on stage and gave me some opportunities, and that got me into uh, LA and made it a little easier for me to kind of, you know, find my way around LA as well. All right, so. I don't want to sound like a dick, and I don't want to sound biased because I'm here. So you, I'll let you do it. The comparison of stand-up in Los Angeles to New York, a lot of people have talked about it and said that in L.A. it's a lot more actors and weaker comics and theatrical acts and just nothing real, no, not with substance, but New York is just such better joke writing, more honesty on stage. Is that something that you felt? Is that something that you see from when you were, you're, you're here? What's the difference from, from, your, from your perspective of, of both, of both you know, comedy scenes on each coast? I would totally agree, 100%. And what you do see in L.A. in that regard, when you do see some realness and some rawness and those kind of things, you see it from guys that have been in, in New York and learned that in New York. You don't see the guys that start in L.A. learning that kind of stuff. So um, that's been nothing but more than obvious and uh one of the big reasons i'm mulling over moving to the new york and and it's it's really weighing heavy on me uh you know it would be not be until the early next year because of my lease is because of that is because i know that my comedies has turned the corner and it's done good things but i know it needs to take another step and new york is the uh it's literally that step it's the graduate school of comedy and um you know uh god bless there's a lot of people in la a lot of good comics that i know and i highly respect but pound for pound across the board when you look at the standings new york (laughs) you know is the 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 division they got championship banners in it every single year and there's no doubt new york is jordan and la's horace grant (laughs) yeah new york's jordan la's heart new york's jordan and la's horace grant with a sprained ankle New York's Jordan uh, in Madison Square Garden, and Horace Grant is uh, on a train. LA's Horace Grant on a training table (laughs) with back spasms. (laughs) Uh. 
But yeah, I mean, to, uh, you know, to, to say it, you know, easily, and and you know, hey, listen, there's good comics in LA. I'm not, or you know, I'm not, I'm not bashing on it. But yeah, there's no, there's really, a, you know, just in, in just a short time, I saw, you know, what we, the people we performed with, and you know, over the weekend, and, and you know, you know, going into clubs like Gotham and seeing what's going on downstairs. You got a show downstairs that guys like Tom Papa are on and Tom Cotter, and they're ripping up the room. And there's shows upstairs, and Todd, you know, I'm following guys like Todd Barry and Jim Norton and uh, you. And I mean, the comics that I'm I'm following in this town, let alone working with. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's, I mean it's you ridiculous. Like, 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 like it, you know what? It's amazing too because sometimes I walk in and I look at a lineup that I'm on, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like this is this is like what? It's amazing to see. It's the only lineups where I go i have to stay in the room and watch this yeah like normally when you go to other clubs like oh so-and-so's on one of my, and I, don't don't get me wrong i don't sit there and watch the whole thing but you'll be like oh so-and-so's gonna get off in three minutes let me just catch this one joke like you want to see if somebody's writing more you want to see what's going on because you know how good of a comedian that they are and it, it's really amazing and it's refreshing and it makes you like i came home last night we were on those shows with these guys and I came home last night, and I go, and I told you today, I go, I need like three or four really good new jokes by August. Yeah. You know, I want to put like two really like great new smart jokes because you work with these guys, and you're like, oh my god, and it's it's like you know Bobby Hurley's dad, what he did, he threw his two sons in, in, in like inner cities with like guys that were taller and faster yeah. and that could dunk, and they were like these two white kids playing with these guys, and it was like before you know it, was one of the guys said, you know, it's like we were talking, uh, the, the Bobby Hurley just threw an alley-oop one day, and someone was like, oh, these kids are getting it, yeah. you know, and it's like, I think in it's comedy. It's like a new joke you it's wrote. Like, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's like in comedy, you're like, oh shit, like that guy, and it is, it's about turning the corner, but um, again, I'm blessed and lucky that I am here. I don't know if I would have the balls. Knowing myself, I think if I really wanted something, I would come out here. But it, it does take a big move, you know. I mean, you made the move. You made the move from 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 Cleveland to California, which is a huge step. But there are some people out there, like there is somebody listening to this right now, that is in Texas. That is in Vegas, that is in Arizona, that is in fucking Montana, that is funny as shit. Who the fuck goes to Montana? Who goes to Bozeman? Who goes to Bozeman? Uh, and, uh, and, and they're sitting there and it's like, yeah, you got to make that. Unfortunately, you got to make that move. You know why? Because forget just Comedy Central or networks that do comedy because that's not even what it's about. It's about industry. It's about somebody believing in you, putting you in rooms. Those people aren't going to Bozeman. Bozeman? Now we're going to talk about comedians that we... I'm um, sorry for the listeners that don't always want to hear about comedy because I know we did a lot of stuff on dating. And um, please get get at me on um, Butterfly if you kind of took my advice because I know a lot of guys went at me and talked and were like, dude, that was great. You know, ladies, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just said, you, uh, you can't play the game with a dude and have a real dude just expect a real dude to sit and take it. A real man goes, you know what? Take that shit somewhere else. God bless you, but I'm just not, you know, I'm walking away from it. And then that's when the girl texts you more. And that's what that was about. We are a little comedy heavy on episode 116. Sponsored by Butterfly Radio. Don't forget, download the free app. Paul Verzi, Jason Lawhead. What a pleasure this is. TVE? You kidding the TVE? me? TVE? Drinking some beers? We didn't even get started. We got, we got, we're going to talk about some things. We should then, do a part two. We should. You could do a... From L.A. From L.A. Didn't I tell you... Didn't I tell you... All we did was quote the movie Kingpin and... Ernie or Big Ern. (laughs) It's my morning coffee. Hey, sweetie. Do me a favor. Yeah, another Tangeray and Tab. Keep them coming, honey. I got a long drive ahead of me. (coughs)
do me a favor. Why don't you wash that perfume off before you come back to this table, would you? I mean, greatest character, greatest one of the uh, comedy yeah. character ever. And I did my podcast on my podcast, Law Hits Court. I did a sports comedy movie edition where, um, literally, he's the greatest. Bill Murray has played two of the top three greatest characters in, in sports a, in com- comedies, yeah. which is Carl Spackler in Gaddyshack as the groundskeeper, and Big Earn McCracken in, oh in Kingpin. God. I mean, oh. I rated the top three characters ever, and the other one was Buttermaker, who was played by Walter Matthau in Bad News Bears. That's still Those, very good. That's still very good, Father. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you're talking about just comedy legends. No, well, we're going to get and, into and, that, though. Okay. We're, we're going to do moves, and, and, and you got to do that, because I know you're ready for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pressure. I didn't want to lose to a guy with a hook. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh my God! Hi, not, not you. you. Hi. Hi. Um, no, we're gonna get into the movies. We didn't. See, I didn't see a movie. We wanted to see World War Z, but between the comedy shows at night, the and golf, the pissing blood all day, we just couldn't get to it. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about, you know, like movies like that, you know, because we we quoted movies on the bus, like Kingpin, Back to School, you know, all these funny movies. So we'll talk about that. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is. Who we look up to, or who we who who's your favorite working today? Now you just worked with Sebastian Maniscalco. Wow! In in Chicago, Sebastian Maniscalco. I've said it on this show. I've had the pleasure of opening for him at Bananas in Hasbro Heights, New Jersey, which I will be headlining next weekend. But we'll get into that later. But I opened for Sebastian there, and I watched this guy for an hour, on multiple times. Truly. One of the only comedians that tr- turns me into an audience member to the point where I'm running out of the room, I'm crying. It, 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 he's just and and you told me things about his. You know, he's tweeting all this. Aren't you embarrassed? Yeah, that's like the new hashtag thing, which I love that he's doing because his last special was "What's wrong with people?" So he would bring up these topics about what people do are stupid, and it was "What's wrong with people?" You know, "What's wrong with people?" That was his hashtag when he would take pictures of stupid people, people doing stupid stuff. And what would you call? Him? I would call him a Brian Regan Andrew Dice Clay hybrid. Yeah, I mean, and just but you know what though? Don't don't let it don't stand on that leg with him. He is his own. I mean, no, no, he you, is you his know, own. But you know, you, I mean, we all try to describe somebody as somebody. You know what I mean? But. Sebastian Maniscalco is one of those guys that truly is as unique as you'll ever see and find, and he's so brave and committed to everything he does on stage, and he pours it all out there, and he's a hell of a... I'm telling you, this guy is a throwback entertainer. I mean, he's one of those... He's an entertainer from the throwbacks, from the guys that, like... You know, really just commit to the whole joke. You know, when you look at those yeah. old school, you know, um, you know that like that Dean Martin era of yeah. guys that would have you know those old uh, variety he, show Carol Burnett, Harvey Corman type guys that would really commit to every single little finite action of their act. He's as good as there is right now, if not the best, doing that in our game at at that part of it. As an entertainer, he's a ten. He's a ten. Yeah, I mean, he might be somebody that I would... I'm not even kidding. I would, like... And I hope he's listening because I need more work. <laughs> no. I, no, I mean, if, 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 I, if he was at a comedy club and I didn't have access to him, because he knows me, but it, I'm, I'm trying to make a hypothetical. If he was at a comedy club and I, didn't, I, I wasn't able to talk to anybody at the door or him, in other words, if I had to pay... I. Even now, at the level I'm at now, working with a guy like him, I still would, and I was with my wife or something, just for my enjoyment, I would probably pay just because 
I mean, and you know what? You're going to laugh nonstop for an hour. You're going to laugh nonstop for an hour. You know, I do have obviously the Italian connection with him. And, you know, my father is Sicilian and he's Sicilian. So he does say things. Don't get me wrong. Part of it, I am being a little biased because it touches home a little bit. But not only that, he's physical. He's smart. He's kind of like, you know, he says what he feels. What really bothers him about people, he finds the funniest way Aren't you in? Aren't you embarrassed? I mean, I don't want to give his act away because I want you to go see him because he's worth it. But he's got this just way of expressing people's little weaknesses that we are annoyed. Even the ones we love, we are all annoyed by the ones we love. There's little things in everything, right? Like there's that. Oh God, I hate when she does that. Or I hate that. And he just takes that and he just exploits it and. And, and just, like it comes up so with an good. explanation. He'll tell you the story of it. Yeah. You know, like if somebody, for example, if somebody was ordering a coffee in front of you or somebody was ordering a sandwich in front of you, whatever you're annoyed with them doing that, he finds a way to explain it in the in just such a fun, funny way. Um, Sebastian Maniscalco is in my top five working right now, and I think he's about to go to different levels too. So, I mean, check him out. I'm trying to think who else... Um, you know, I don't even count Bill. Uh, I don't count yeah, Bill. I mean, I mean Bill, Bill is, you know, Bill, you know, Bill, 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 is Bill Burr. I mean, I, I wouldn't even have to know him personally to have him be one of my favorites. Uh, I love Brian Regan. You don't see him out, out working as much as he used to, but God, I mean, there's a monster at, at, at every turn. Brian, uh, Regan, Brian Regan, if you go, go YouTube Brian Regan and tell me you're not in tears in two minutes of watching any bit he does without cursing once. And not that that matters, because you no. know I've talked about that, and I'm against people that think comedians that curse are no are not funny. I, I think that's crazy, and it's fucking crazy. And I've said that many. The greatest comedians in history, greatest comedians in history, top five comedians maybe of all time, all curse. So I don't want to hear that shit. But Brian Regan is as funny as all those guys without it, and he's is great. I put him in my top five. Um, trying to think who else. Yeah, we're so hard on it in this business because you know we. And it's we even hard. I gotta be it, honest. But, being you know, going at it as hard uh, as you do, it's hard to. Even... The late great Patrice O'Neill. I mean, oh, I man. still feel like he's alive. That's how good his comedy is. Like I listen to Patrice. I still watch his specials, and he's just he's. That's how good Patrice is. Is that he's like it's not even like he's dead to me. You know what I mean? He's like some guys right. die, and you're like, oh yeah, it's too bad he doesn't around. How about Jim Norton last night? Jim Norton, a beast. I mean, there's there's one of the biggest pros in our business. You know I what mean, I mean? The guy I mean, just like, yeah, a guy good. that just knows how to do what he does. And there's so many. I mean, it's just there's so many greats out there. Uh, but yeah, if you don't know who Sebastian Maniscalco is. Go look at him. Go look him up. Go to Sebastian, you know, whatever his website is. He's the type of guy that, you know, the way you quote movies, like we've been talking about Kingpin for months and Murray's character in Kingpin. We've been talking about it for months. We've talked about, you know, Dangerfield and Back to School and certain lines. Just these characters, that these iconic comedic characters. Iconic. They're iconic. They're, they're, they're just, you know, you talk about Leslie Nielsen and Naked Guns, shit like that. Sebastian's one of those guys, you go, what about the joke he did about Italian weddings? What about the joke he did about tattoos? And you remember. And it's almost like if they had a best hits album, a greatest hits album, you're like, I have to get it. You know, that's what I think he is. So, um, you know, anything that I could do to, to put on people that, that, you know, that I like, um, I would, you know, um, fuck man, hopefully one day comedians are talking like this about us and, or about any, because when you're doing that, that means that you're really on to something. Um, and to each his own, you know, to each his own. But for me, honesty, I like way more than just somebody like having a slogan. 
you know because the thing is Sebastian may have a line or a saying but it's real like he finds a real line saying that he says and makes it funny he does a new bit about uh, people taking pictures of themselves in their own mirror he goes have you ever had <laughs> the urge to just stand there and the, oh I gotta get I'm in the bathroom I gotta get a shot of this <laughs> like he goes he goes he goes that's fine he goes I look do you ever look what's going on behind them how they live in those pictures, oh, he goes, do you have a plate of ribs on your bed? <laughs> Were you eating ribs on your bed and didn't even clear them off to take a picture? Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He's got so many of them. I, I don't want to give it away, but the shit he's doing about how people in, uh, going to casinos, listen to it. Oh, I great. mean, I, I'm going to see his new I'm going to buy album, I'm gonna yeah. buy his new album. I mean, it's fucking hilarious to me. All right. Yeah. All right. Enough of blowing Sebastian Maniscalco. He's uh, funny. Yeah, He's exactly. funny. I'm Jesus just trying Christ. To keep my, I'm cool. just trying to keep uh, working yeah. with him. You know what no, I mean? Very, so. very funny. All right. Um, now, going back to the movie thing you know like i said last movie i know i destroyed it a lot of people's weird man man of steel's getting weird it's weird i've never fucking talked about a movie that literally 50 percent of the people love and 50 percent of the people feel the way you do it's one of those weird ones you know normally it's like 80 20 90 10 where like the normal people who fucking go to movies a lot are are, are kind of this one people are like, i liked it i liked it no i liked it and i'm like oh, and then some people are like oh, i fucking hate it i, you I know. think those people that like it just gotta like say they that because they, yeah. well they just gotta say that because they, they feel like idiots for spending 16 dollars if they didn't yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some people are just like, well, I liked it. Oh, no, I liked it. We had a great time. Did you really? Did you really have a great time? Are you just saying that because you just dropped 48 bucks on a family of three? Yeah, uh, I loved it. I loved no, it. You yeah, don't know like, what no. you loved. Yeah, yeah. I, you Like, some people don't care about the, like, obvious green screen overdoing action. They go, oh, that was, that was action-packed. And it's like, no, like, that doesn't follow right with the story. I didn't get to see a movie this week, but... Um, Here's movies, if you're listening and you haven't seen them, okay? If you're in your fucking early 20s and it was, you know, you were too young. Kingpin. Farrelly, Classic. Farrelly Brothers movie Kingpin with Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray is an absolute must. Randy Quaid, absolute must. Um, Back to School was, I think, 1986 with Rodney Dangerfield, uh, who goes to college. With Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison plays an epic character who is a social studies, a history teacher. It's it's fucking epic if you haven't seen that. I know the older listeners know what I'm talking about, but if you're kind of like, no, I never saw those, do yourself a favor. I'm not a big weed smoker, but if you smoke a fucking little joint and you watch Kingpin or Back to School, it's you'll be fucking crying. Um, what other what other ones would well, you Well, I'd like to just, since I'm the guest on the show and you didn't see one this week, I'd like to pop in on something I saw for the first time that I hadn't seen this week with you. Perfect, what'd you and, see? And uh, we saw Flight. We watched Flight the other night oh, we together, about and, I, and, and I, I had not seen it yet. And I shit on it. Not shit on it, but I, I, I said that... I loved it. I thought it was great. He, you know what? I thought Denzel was amazing. I saw it. I thought his character, his yeah. honesty and brutality of the problem that he had, and he thought he was o- over it, and, you know, I'm bigger than it, and then realized that he wasn't when it was a, a person, you know, that, you know, if you if you haven't seen the movie, go see it, but I'm sure most of you have seen it, and, like, just, you know, facing that girl that he loved who was the stewardess, and she had a problem, too, and he wasn't going to put that on her at the end. He took a self-admittance, even though he saved the lives. He saved those lives. And it wasn't being drunk about it, but it's uh, it's crazy, man. What a great movie! John Goodman no, was awesome you know, in that you, movie. You, you, Don Cheadle, who's one of my favorite actors, is, is in that movie. And uh, 
man, great story, amazing effects, and just stirring. It was one of those things where you, at the end of it you go, I'm really glad I saw that movie and let that movie make me feel the way it did. Yeah, yeah then we drank like fish the next night. Drank like fish the next night. I drank like yeah. fish the next night, and I, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I saw yeah, the yeah. movie Flight, and it, did, it, it, it hurt my liver. Yeah, I fucking chartered a puddle jumper. Uh, kidding me? Get me to Newark. <laughs> I chartered a puddle. No, I gotta say, I I didn't like I didn't like Flight the first time, and I shit it on my podcast because I had no idea it was about this guy who needed AA and was a serious alcoholic. I saw a guy. Uh, land a plane and do that and then there was going to be some trial and I thought I didn't know if they were going to shit on him because of you know whatever reason if it was a conspiracy then it turned into you know and I, I gotta be honest the 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 clanking of the hotel door towards the end and then like he opens it and then he sees every liquor which wouldn't have been there I mean you gave a good explanation about that about how they could have transferred the alcohol because well, they show his they, they show, show his with his with, refrigerator like, with nothing but Soft drinks. And then so the adjoining room, every hotel has an adjoining room. The staff, and I want to tell you something. I, I'm in hotels all the time. I'm sorry if you're a hotel worker and you're listening, but most of the hotel staff suck. The last three hotels I've been in, to, I've, I wanted to take afternoon naps and got wake-up calls for the show. Never got a wake-up call. Never got my 5 or 6 p.m. wake-up call. Nobody does their job right. And so they, when they probably use the adjoining room because they took all the liquor bottles out of one, they stashed it in the one refrigerator and brought them over, and that idiot didn't lock the other adjoining room, right? I mean, these people, they don't care. They're making 8 bucks an hour. You think they care about what's going on if the other room's not booked? And if the, if the, if the other room's no, not I mean, booked and the, the guest isn't in there to lock it, what are these people? They don't care. If, so I figured out, I figured out flight. That I, was, did, I, I, did, I, I was I able to argue that loophole. I'm just proud of that. No, it was a good one. It was a good one. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, the second time around I saw Flight, I liked it a lot more. I watched. because you were drunk. I watched. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you watch Flight drunk, it's great. Yeah. No, I, I, I watched it. Ooh, now that's a hot leap. <laughs> <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. No, uh, we're quoting movies no, while we're, you know, we know, we're quoting movies while, while we're doing this. But, um, you know, I think that Flight the second time around I knew it was about the booze and all about the booze and I felt like I was bamboozled with the first trailer before I saw it so now going in I'm like this is about a guy who just can't fucking stop drinking and he's a pilot and that made me like it more if that makes any sense because a lot of times coming attractions and trailers do fuck with you and they're deceiving you're like oh this is going to be about this and it it's nothing like it you know it's nothing like it so I, I agree I mean I was drinking wine maybe that made me um Enjoy it. I am infatuated with aviation, so I mean, I'm I'm, I'm afraid of it. I, I you know, so all that. But the yeah. reason I'm here doing this podcast tonight is because my flight got canceled to uh, Cleveland tonight because uh, U.S. Airways doesn't know what they're doing. They probably got a bunch of had ground. <laughs> they probably had to ground a bunch of drunks from the weekend. <laughs> I'm just glad. Listen, if they cancel the flights because they got they had a bunch of drunks partying on Saturday night, I'm cool with that. Get me home Monday morning. That's fucking hilarious. Um, so yeah, so what oh, what else did we see? We saw Kingpin. We saw Back to School. We watched Flight. Um, we're gonna watch, about to watch Ted. I've never seen Ted. Oh, so yeah, after this, I'm we're good, watching Ted. Right, right I can't believe I've never seen Ted. In Can the you next, believe it? No. In, in the next 10, 15 minutes, we got a gram, and we're gonna wait. <laughs> no, we're, hey, gonna, uh, <laughs> we're gonna watch Ted. We're gonna you know. Uh, we we went through the gram anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. By the way, you got a little. Yeah. No, we. Uh, I tell you, we've been having a lot of fun, so we're gonna finish this. Um, oh, I do an unacceptable for the week. 
So that's on you, oh, okay. but I gave well, it to you too late. Hold on. So here, I, I didn't here's know it. that, but uh, yeah, we here. still want to promote my podcast, too. Oh, so. we're not done. Oh, okay. Are you kidding me? We're going to do sports, and then we're going to no. look at this guy, jump into the plugs. We're going to get to You just said we're out of here. No, what do you mean? You just said I think we're almost done, didn't you? No, no, no. We're going to, I said what we're going to do is I want No, I thought you said you were okay, Spider. No, no. no I thought you said no, Spider, no, you, you were you okay. Know, no, you know what? You're not okay, you stuttering prick, you. <laughs> we're just quoting movies. Any chance we get, we just go into it. If we, whenever we have like no, we're not nothing to talk about. We just look at each other. And we bring up a movie quote. You know? Didn't I tell you? Bigger and who's your biggest opponent this week? Me. If I fall down and get drunk, I may hear not win. <laughs> Classic. Go see Kingpin and oh. tell me. Go to Lawhead's court. Uh, and you tell me that if you don't think Kingpin's don't think, funny, yeah. don't, I don't want. I don't want you listening. Yeah, exactly. I don't want go, you listening. Yes. Um, so what I do, what I do, no, when I say we're going to get out of here, we're going to do sports, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to do sports and plugs, and we're going to get out of here. But one thing I do on my podcast, and I give the floor to my guest, but we could do it after if you're thinking about it. Oh, um, I don't care. Throw it on we, me. We do something I'm called quick. unacceptable for the week. Okay. And unacceptable for the week can be anything. It would almost be like it's a it's a layup for Sebastian. Oh, so yeah. it's basically anything you see that bothered you. If if you know if somebody online was a dick. If somebody you know that you you see just like for me, I have one. Oh, I got to talk about this today. I was so upset. I was so upset today. Because I took my son to the swimming pool in our complex. Okay, while you were, uh, Jason. Well, I was, you know, yeah, on you hold on, with U.S. Airways well, for eight hours. Yeah, well, you were on hold with U.S. Airways. And my, my wife, who was so cool like with you fucking on the phone with you, I was, I mean, you know, helping Your you Your wife's out. amazing. And, and I was like, thank you. And I was like, look, I'm going to take Lucas to the pool. So they're on the phone. And I'm in the pool. I'm in the swimming pool. Aren't you embarrassed? No, so I go to the swimming pool. And there's like a guy and his daughter who's in the pool. A guy sitting on a chair, daughter in the pool, and a woman across the way. Little swim, you know, not a huge swimming pool. And me and Lucas, and we're in the water. We go to two chairs, just two little plastic fucking, I don't know, what do you call them? Beach chairs, pool chairs? Lounge chairs. Two lounge chairs. Thank you. The hoof. The, no, was no, it the, 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 the hoof? The leg, the hoof. You know, this dog's going this way. One dog's going one way, the other dog's going the other way. It's going to say, hey, what do you want from me? So... I take Lucas out of the, the, uh, the phone rings at the lady has her phone. She goes, oh, the phone runs over to our two lounge chairs, gets on the phone and sits on one of them with my son's shoes and, and my, my, my sneakers and socks and T-shirt and towel that we're going to go and dry off. And she just sits there and I'm uncomfortable. It's starting to get cold and windy. I take my son out of the pool. We start walking over, and she's just sitting in one of the chairs looking at me, and I looked at her, and, like, when I looked at her, she kind of got the jit. She knew what I was doing, and she, like, kind of just got up and walked away but, like, stayed close. And it's like, get out of the fucking way. That's my chair, okay, that you see two chairs with people's clothes there and me and my son. How many fucking people is that? It's two people. It's two people, two chairs, me and my son's clothes there, and you're sitting there, and I think it was one of these people that, like, knows everybody in the complex. There's another reason why I can't fucking stand, I can't, I can't wait to move out of here, because it was almost like, yeah, this is kind of our pool, this is everybody's pool, I'm sitting here, so go to your own fucking corner. And then she's sitting there, and she's going, and she's talking about her son loud, she's going, yeah, you know, and he met so many kids at the synagogue, and and all these Jewish kids and this and that and it made me fucking like for a second it made me like angry at Jews 
And mm-hmm. I know that that's crazy, but I was just like, because it would have been anybody. If it was some Puerto Rican lady going, yeah, we fucking, man. or, you know, even if it was like an Italian going, I would have been like, yeah, you're fat, you eat too much. That's yeah, that, exactly. Like, like, I was just, it just made me so angry. And it's like, so that's unacceptable for me. But so something like that. I'm only racist in traffic. You ever notice I that? I did a bit about that. Did you yeah, really? I, did. I, said, oh, wow. I, said, I'm, I said, I'm only I said I'm only racist in the car. Oh, wow. I, I go, that's, I go awesome. that's the only time I'm racist is when I'm in the car. I go, that's you know, I always, I, go, I always go, and, and the joke was I would go, uh, I go, yeah, you Puerto Rican prick. And then I'd go, you know, and then I would say yeah. something, and I would go, yeah, 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 you black ass, or something like that. And then I would go, and the, always the most common one, i go, yeah, you woman. Yeah, you woman. <laughs> like that would be the end. That's of it. hilarious. But um, but so what? What I do you gradually want? move from races to sexes in traffic? Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. I'll say this uh, since we, you know, to stay with the vibe of the show and everything. And you, you pointed out your set the other night was saying some stuff on stage. Uh, I'm kind of like this whole Paula Dean thing. It's like, is it that big of news? And I'm not. I don't want to steal what Jim Norton said yesterday because I was already right. thinking this. But it's like. Yeah, she's a 60-some-year-old woman from the South, and we're shocked. Like, people are shocked that she uses the N-word. I just think it's funny that, you know, I know a couple of black dudes back home that, you know, I mean, considering she's a fat white woman that can cook Southern food, they'd look past it. You know what I mean? Like, I know a couple of brothers that would be like, eh, you know, it ain't that bad. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just hate, like... Dude, Tony Rock was on stage the other night, and he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, the people were calling my mother. Because my mother was on Paula Dean's show. And he's on stage and he goes, my mother didn't care. He goes, my mother's used that word before. That's hilarious. Yeah, so that's what he said. Yeah, and it's just like, you know. So uh, unacceptable for the week for you is people that are outraged? The outrageousness right. of outrage. Like the outrageousness of constant outrage. It's like, what do you think? Like, uh, Did what you hear what I said afterwards? What about the guys from Pawn Stars? No. I go, you know, I, I was doing my Pawn Stars joke. And I go, you know, they, everybody always slips. You know, you have somebody that always slips. I go, tell me you're not thinking the guys from Pawn Stars aren't going to be next. I go, that old man who talks like he's got marbles in his mouth? I go, you know he said some heavy shit. Oh, before. yeah. And, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, yes, is it uh, the is it right to say no? And I, and I will say this. It's like I, after I saw the movie 42 with Jackie Robinson, I was really like, you know what? That is a, just a stupid freaking word, and it's dumb, and I'm not gonna, I don't use it. I'm not going to use no. it. And it's like, have I used it before in my life? Yes, I've used it. And uh, have I, you know, meant it harmfully? Absolutely not. I've never, like, you know, um, you know, uh, tried to bring someone down with it. I mean, we're all comedians. We, nothing offends us, so we've probably used the word at time to time. And, and it's just like they, that outrage. That outrage of out that outrageousness of outrage is just crazy. It's about everything. It's like about every single thing. It's not even just that word. It's just she's the big example right <laughs> it's, now. Yeah, because like, she, yeah, like the faggot word, like you said. Jim Norton. Like, she's a she's a she's a no, she's sixty, 60 years old from, from Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. What, you think she's never used it before? And I love Nick DiPaolo. I, I heard saw Nick DiPaolo years ago, and I don't know if this was part of his act or if it was just crowd work. Because I saw him years ago when he looked down at a black guy, and he goes, "If you if you have if there's any white if you have any white people in your life that say they've never used the word, they're lying to you." Oh, I, you know I, what I mean? Like it's just like because black people use it, white people use it. Every race of everything uses different words in different ways, and what we deem offensive or unoffensive. We can't let words. We can't let words 
Do it. Control. No, yeah, you can't let words. Like, if somebody called me. Control like, us. If or, somebody called or, me like or a lazy wop. us. If somebody called me a lazy wop or a guinea or a dago, that, like, honest to God, and I know it's different. Some you're not people, lazy. I mean, so you know, it's like, I've known you. You're a hardworking guy. <laughs> I did a bit one time where I go, if somebody said, hey, what do you want to live with your mother the next 30 years, you guinea? Just eat her meatballs and be on her couch. I go, this guy's nailing it. This guy's <laughs> nailing it. You know? Am I, am I that predictable? Am I wearing and it? Listen, on my I know that Italian slurs don't add up or have as much, you know, sting as the N-word or as certain words to Jewish people or certain words to gay people. I get that. But at the same time, as a grown adult, it's what you make of it. Like, how about looking at somebody and going, you know something, you're an ignorant asshole and that's so stupid that you think that that would even bother me and taking the power away from it. Well, it's just crazy. It's like, because Paula Dean said this whenever she said it recently, Mel Brooks is on, he gets interviewed on Inside the Actor's Studio. He's a hero. You ever seen a Mel Brooks movie from the 70s? Why, why is it because he just said it 35 40 years ago it was acceptable so what if paula dean if if she was that would that would so everything she said would that have been okay in 1978 blazing uh, did saddles. you ever watch the blazing old blazing saddles is funny but it's, it's racist it's racist but it's you know seriously. who wrote it mostly black guys richard Pryor, cleavon little i mean mel brooks wrote it but you know it, it was it's not about being like harmful or hurtful it's about saying things that actually exist and happen so that's my un what's that what was the topic here unacceptable unacceptable so the unacceptable is don't get so outrageously outraged over what you think is outrageous and just kind of you know hey listen if you don't want to watch paula dean and you know you don't want to believe in what it, just stop watching her stop listening to her but uh, do we have to? Does she have to be on every freaking talk show and every channel all week long, all night long, because she said the N word? Good lord! If that's the case, we're never going to move past life. But Paula Dean is Paula Dean is really just a dumb. Yes. Like, she's a dumb Southern asshole. Exactly. That's what she, she's a but you big know what, fat. People love her Southern, recipes. She's a big fat Southern dummy. That's what she is. She's just a fucking idiot. Of course. So why do we have to like yeah, out, so be she, outraged? Yeah, about like it? exactly. What do you think? She's not profound. Nobody goes to Paula Dean. I could understand if like fucking Larry King said something. I could understand if somebody that's no, been not in that the, Jew. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, you but I can't. I, no, I, I I shouldn't even say him because he's old. So somebody could just say he's old. And well, like Oprah Winfrey. Who's like, better? You know, yeah, Oprah. Maybe like, Oprah said something. Like if Oprah, like, you know, if Oprah said something, or or, or or yeah, or, or somebody that was in the media that actually has some sort of clout and respect. You're talking about a chick that dumps sticks of butter in fucking flour and fucking lives in the South and eats all kinds of shit. And what do you think she said? I know. You know, of course she's gonna say that. You know, I'm in New York. I'm fucking. I've said. I've said it. I've said it before I grew up with a father who said it. I said it when I said it. Did I mean it maliciously? No. I just was trying to get the joke. Were you tr trying to promote a cookbook? No. no. You're just, you know. No, I mean. but, no, but like when I said it, it was like to get a laugh from friends, you know. And I never kind of said it with conviction with the ER. I was just either trying to tell a joke or say, ER. or, or say it to friends. Or like, you know, you just listen to Italians going, oh, this, that. And it was stupid. And when I, when I grew up to the age of fucking understanding things, I would say, yeah, that's really fucking dumb and stupid. And it was never a malicious thing in my heart. But to say that you never said it, you never thought. I've said things about Asians that were bad. You know, I've said things, my, you know, and listen, I, she's in a public eye. She should know better. 
you know, I was, I'm talking about when I was a fucking dumb teenager and she's a 60 year old woman and she has a camera on her. I mean, of course she should know better, but she's a dummy. She's just a big, fat, dumb Southern woman from Georgia who got, you know, famous for her recipes and cooking. And she said something. And of course, dog, the bounty hunter, look at him. I mean, if you fucking put a lineup like, you know, like the way they do a lineup of suspects? If you put Dog the Bounty Hunter, Paula Dean, and everybody else who said that and made a mistake and just looked at their appearance, you would go, yeah. Yeah, of course. Really? <laughs> you would go, yeah. Okay, Dog the Bounty Hunter. The guy's rocking a fucking blonde mullet with cowboy boots. Are you, are you serious? What do you think he said? You know? Dog the Bounty Hunter with a fucking blonde mullet? And cowboy yeah. boots, Paula Dean, a son. Yeah, well, put the butter in the butter in the butter. She, of course, she's in gonna the say butter in the butter so, in the butter. So yeah, I agree. That's a good unacceptable. You know, yeah, whatever. No one's saying nobody's like, saying that I it's good. Don't waste. Nobody's no, it's saying not that it's good. Okay. What nobody's it's saying, stupid. No, is I meant to say I shouldn't have said good. Nobody's the saying it's okay. The waste of time that that the waste of time and energy of of persecuting this person that's just clearly an idiot and mm. we should be shocked like we're shocked by it it's no, just so stupid about it. Exactly. the shock value of everything is just ridiculous like it's just like move on cut her fire her. if you don't want to buy her book leave it and let's just move on to the next thing you know what though it's like everybody is so fucking protected man everybody is so protected and and, and it gets to the point where it's like what can you do anymore yeah. can you do anything can you do fucking anything? Listen, I'm against bullying and beating people down, whether it would be physically or verbally. I am. But can you? Can anybody take a punch anymore? I know. Can anybody fucking take a jab to the face and just walk away and go, you know what, that person's a fucking asshole, and I'm going to jab him back? Give me a fucking break. Exactly. It's like you can't say anything. If you say anything anti-gay, even a, a joke, if you slip a word and say it, you know? You should be able to make a mistake and go, you know what, that was such a dumb fucking ignorant thing. I was having a bad day and this and that. And, you know, and fine, pay a fine, get suspended. But, you know, I mean, look what happened to Don Imus. Don Imus made a joke. And then now he's back doing what he was doing. And mm -hmm. he took some time off. And it's just like he just made a fucking dumb joke. It was a guy trying to say something like that. And people aren't going to learn. If you've learned anything from history, if you learned anything from all of this shit, it's gonna happen again. Somebody and is again, gonna and say again, yes, and again, yes. And again, yes. And again. Somebody's gonna say something. Whether it's somebody who is a you know prestigious black icon saying something against whites, and then that'll be in the news. Or whether it's some fucking dumb redneck saying something against you know gays. Or whether it's it's gonna happen. And you know what's gonna happen? It's the same thing. Oh my god. So you make a good point. It's gonna happen again. Like oh constantly. my god. It's just gonna constantly happen, and it's fucking silly. Grow up. Grow up. There. Listen. There are good people in this world. There are bad people in this world. There are smart people and there are dumb people. And that's never going to fucking change. No, exactly. It's never going to change. And we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. It, why don't you do me a favor and go ahead. Why don't you, uh, you know, why don't you go. All right, so that's time. that. That was a long unacceptable, but I think it was actually poignant. Poignant. Okay. On to sports, everybody. This is a Verzi Effect podcast show sponsored by Butterfly Radio. I'm your host, Paul Verzi. Episode 116, Jason Lawhead, originally from Cleveland, the Ohio. TV. Living in L.A., going to have a move to New York. Mm, looks like it, pending. You find this guy in the street, you tell him to do Reggie, but you have to say the only way he'll do it for you because he doesn't do it like that. $10 donation. But the only, way, the only way he'll do it is if you say, I heard you on TVE episode 116. You have to say those words. Right. In that, I heard you on TVE episode 16, do Reggie, do the swing and miss on the knee. That's it. They have to say all that. Yep. Okay. Um, 
Speaking of that, let's get into some sports, and then we'll get into plugs again. We are an hour and 20 minutes in. I think this has been a nice one. This this is fun. It's been a good one. This is fun. And I, uh... People live here, they die here, they get I live here. I live here. What movie, everybody? She goes, what are you doing here? He goes, I live here. I live here. It's right on the... It's right there. Yeah. My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven. Rick Moranis, uh, as a co-star, was great, starring Steve Martin... Is is the fucking gangster Vincent Antonelli? Oh, great! Oh my god! Goes into the witness protection program. Oh, I don't know one Happy Street. She goes, "What's the address?" He goes, "I don't know one Happy Street." That was great. Um, all right, we're gonna get into some sports. Unfortunately, the NBA's over. NFL's on. Un- thank God. NFL's not going on. Baseball. I've been having a hard time, but Jason is somebody that is deeply, and I'm not even kidding her when I say this. I'm, I'm really not, because I, I, noticed, I noticed this with you before. LeBron James's picture came on TV. You said turn the channel. And I'm not even joking around here. Like, I'm being dead serious. This is somebody who is genuinely hurt. It affected his hometown. It's something that bothers you. I know it. I see it in your face. Now, on the last episode, I talked about it, and I made a lot of points, and we talked about it. We had mm-hmm. a great conversation about it, where I said that LeBron James with... The draft that the Cavs just had with Kyrie Irving, who is a perennial all-star and one of the best things that happened to that franchise after him, the best thing that happened to that franchise after him, the one smart thing LeBron James did with this whole bullshit decision was limit his years with Miami. Now, I don't want to get into it because I I talked about it so much, but the the Heat are getting old, and it's on my my last episode. What... As somebody who's wounded and as somebody who lived in Cleveland and saw the city before LeBron, during LeBron, and now after LeBron, how do you think the community would improve? Taking your bias out, and I know that's very, very hard to do, but, but taking your bias out of your personal feelings for it, how do you think as a whole the the... the the Cleveland community, if, if if it came on ESPN halfway through next year or at the end of next year, LeBron James returns home, blah, 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 all the headlines, I said, what would you think that would, that would be like well, for, well, your, for your community? To take the bias out is hard, but I will try to do that. If, I, if you want me to take the bias out like, and pretend that I never came from Cleveland or lived in Cleveland, I would say Cleveland should welcome him back with open arms, and it would be great for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, and they should be lucky to have LeBron James if you want me to be a talking head like that. But I, I can't. Uh, really remove myself from being a guy that was a Cavs fan, still am, rooted in Cleveland his whole life, saw this kid come up, watched every one of his state finals games in all four years. I saw all eight state finals games. LeBron won three state titles in high school and he lost one his junior year. I saw every one of those games. We saw him get we saw him get get drafted. We saw that team grow and franchise grow under him. We saw new ownership come in. We saw uh, efforts to make a better team around him for what was available at the time and, and the salary and the money that, that we were we had at, at our disposal and the challenges we had going on. And to say that would we embrace it? Should we embrace it if he comes back? First off, I don't think he will. I think it's a moot point. I don't think he ever will. And and the fact is, is that if he does, if he does come back, this city not only should expect, they should demand a championship. When, in fact, before he left and had he never left, they would have hoped for 
cheered for and supported for the efforts of a championship, but would have never put him in that win it now or get out like a lot of cities do. And like if if Miami wouldn't have won it this year, which they shouldn't have, and I don't know how it's the sickening. Spurs lost that series. Well, the NBA's was sickening. The NBA's watered down. It's a joke. There's only, I mean, the Eastern Conference. There's you know, eight teams in the playoffs just because they have to fill the rosters. Three of them are even even worthy. I mean, the, the the Indiana Pacers, who should have won that series, aren't even a very good basketball team. They 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 they, they throw the ball all over the lot. They don't uh, they don't uh, execute in the in the paint. Uh, yes, they're good defensively, and and yes, uh, you know. Uh, they have size and depth, but uh, traditionally, as a really good basketball team, they're not. I mean, the, the way they turn the ball over and give up possessions is ridiculous. Um, the San Antonio Spurs just pissed that one down their leg. Uh, Ray Allen saved LeBron. Well, Ray Allen saved LeBron's. Yeah. You know, really saved a, a long part of his legacy there in Miami. Because if if he doesn't hit that shot, they go away, and now they have one championship. And uh, LeBron isn't really the the guy that came to Miami like the people in Miami thought. So if he does come back to Cleveland, and we did talk about this, my whole thing is Cleveland should not only expect they should demand a championship for him and. If he does come back to Cleveland and they don't win it in year one or two, guess what? I'm not sure I want that LeBron that, you know, a lot of people said, well, maybe he learned a lesson after his, he really didn't apologize. He's still been very arrogant through the whole thing with Cleveland, enticing them. He comes back, you know, his third trip back to Cleveland last year. He hadn't even been a, a Miami Heat for two full seasons, and he's already talking about like, oh, well, you know, I hope they embrace me if I come back. If I was a Miami Heat fan, and this is guy's been two years in, and he's already talking about going back to Cleveland, I'm, I, if I was a Heat fan, I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. Going back to Cleveland? I, I mean, if you put your Yourself in the Heat fan shoes at that point. You're reading an article I, in the Miami I, Herald. Did I tell you it was so, near and dear to him? Uh, my whole thing is, uh, if he comes back and doesn't win it, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I want to even put up with that LeBron James again. We've already had to go through that. You know what? It's like a it's like a girl. It's yeah. like a girl that kind of does something, and then they leave, and you were to say, "Let's come back," and then they still go fuck the other guy, or they oh, don't man. get it, or they just treat you like that. You know what? I'm not sure. Cleveland, I, I listen. We're used to losing. Yeah, we we've lost football teams. We've lost a whole franchise. We've lost World Series. We we've had great teams on certain years, and we've sniffed championships, and we've lost. Listen, LeBron James will be gone eventually in this league. He'll be no. He'll be a well, retired player. Question. And you know what? We will still be a city. The game of basketball will still go on. And if he doesn't come back, which frankly, frankly, I'm going to tell you something. I really hope he doesn't. Let me ask you this question. I think the best way he can go away in our heads is just to never come back. Let me ask you a question, okay? Because you addressed it, and I get that. But there's one thing you didn't address, and I'm going to ask you the question. What if he comes back and you do win one? Well, if he comes back and you and, and, and we win one, I'm going to be happy, of course, because first and foremost, I'm a Cleveland Cavalier fan, no matter who's wearing the jerseys. I mean, yes, I mean, I can't make the decisions. I'm not the front office. I'm not the owner. If he does come back and win a championship, I will be thankful that the Cleveland Cavaliers – the franchise wins a championship and the city of Cleveland gets a championship. Will I hail LeBron like I probably would have if he had never left and we won a title? Absolutely not. I will not like go on my hands and knees and say, you know, LeBron James is the greatest of all time because he came back to Cleveland and brought us a championship. That's not – I don't think that shows really any integrity to really what he is or what he – you know – 
like, like I said, if I'm a Miami Heat fan and he's talking like that in the third trip back to Cleveland and, and he signed a six-year deal, I'm scratching my head going, who is this guy? I mean, uh, so if he comes back and wins a championship, great. Great for Cleveland. If he doesn't come back and we win a championship, I'll, I'll be as excited as, as if we win it with him because it'll be a championship. But will I do? I think he co- will come back. Absolutely not. You know why? I don't think he's got that much guts in him. I think it's easier for him to talk about it, just like in that huddle. before That's a, that, that's a big point. You know, I, 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 think, I think it's easier for him to talk about it than, than actually do it. And, you know, it's, it's this decision he made to go jump on Dwayne Wade's back. And you know what? When you look at his face, go back to the game film of that possession right before that idiot Popovich takes Tim Duncan out on the defensive possession that gives Bosh. Wow, you lose with your best five. I mean, I don't care what you think your strategy are. You got you got the lead. You're ready to close these guys out. You lose with your best five on the floor. You don't play some game where, oh, I don't want Duncan to get the rebound because I don't want him to be at the free throw line. What an idiot. So anyway, Bosh gets the rebound, but that possession right before that, you could see in the huddle where you thought they were beat, and, and LeBron had turned it over twice uh, in possessions right before he hit that one three and then missed the next one that uh, Ray Allen got. He was looking around in that huddle. No one was listening to Spolstra. They thought the game was over. It was just almost, you know, uh, they were hoping, you know, before Kawhi Leonard went to the line to miss that one, he was looking around with a look on his of fear on his face like, what am I going to say in the press conference? Who am I going to pass the buck to in the press conference? It was almost like my thoughts were he was going to go after Spolstra because he knows if they didn't win it, Spolstra was going to get fired. And, I, and I'll tell you, look at his face. I don't want to see that face in Cleveland. Can you, can you, I don't want to see that face in defeat or in the right. face of challenge, in the face of not winning the first year or the second year, and have to see this guy passing the buck to Kyrie Irving or passing the buck again to Mike Brown. Listen, we, we rehired Mike Brown. That right there, LeBron is never coming back to Cleveland. If you're one of these NBA people that think he's going to come back and be this great champion and be save the city of Cleveland, get it out of your heads, folks. He's never coming back to now, Cleveland. Now, listen, this is, this is we, a... Yeah, go ahead. We have the Barons hockey team got a better chance of coming back to Cleveland. <laughs> we got... Listen, um, I'm glad you did that. That's as much passion as uh, I've ever had anybody talk sports on the show, which will lead into your podcast. But, you know, this is somebody who was born and bred from Cleveland, Ohio, who is a diehard sport, Cleveland sports Raised fan. in a basketball family with a legendary on, high school coach as a father. And Jason himself, you know. You know I, could get, to, I, could, I could fill it up from downtown. Yeah, you got the most threes in history of his thing for a while at his school. And then, you know, obviously that, you know, I mean, you've been there. It's been a while. That record got broken, but you had that for a while. You played with a, a Hall of Fame coach father. So I know you get it now. I agree with what you're saying about him. I do. I really do. But I think, that I, and, and I've stated this, I think two things need to happen. And if they happen, in my mind, I don't give a fuck where anybody lives. If he did go, I'm. if he said these words... I'm coming back here to finish what I started. And I understand people won't embrace me, but this is my home. I'm coming back to finish what I started to bring a championship here. And does it? And does it? Now, forget seeing that and and brings it. And people in Cleveland are standing up and crying. And he's standing there saying, yeah, I won a couple in Miami, but this is where I really wanted to do it. Ain't gonna happen. That would be epic. That's all I'm saying. And you know what? Maybe it doesn't happen, but maybe I'm a dreamer. You're Dream not the only one. We've, did we just both start singing? No, How I was singing. Uh, no, I know, but we I'm both started singing. I'm not the only one. Yeah, um, all right, so, um, and you're a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, my, uh, to be a fan, one would have to cheer. 
So that, I, I, I don't remember the last time I've done that for the Browns. But, yeah, no, go No, I'll tell you what, the tailgates are Oh, how about are, the Knicks? Oh, by the, the way. The tailgates are great. Knicks got Tim Hardaway's kid. We saw him live. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, an amazing pick, but you know what? He had some really good games for Michigan. He'll be able to spot up there and get free a little bit and shoot, but I don't think he's going to be a great. I think he'll be a guy that can come off the bench in the NBA and get some shots, but I don't think he's going to be a, a great. He's not going to be his father. He doesn't handle the ball out no. front. He does not going to create for himself against an NBA stellar defense. And who and, did you guys say? You guys had the first pick. Who'd you get? Uh, we took Bennett from UNLV oh, yeah. and uh, a little overweight. Not sure what kind of player this guy's going to be. I would have rather seen us get Otto Porter. Trey Burke went. From, Trey Burke, uh, who we saw, he went nine. Ninth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. got no. He got traded though. Right? He did get traded. He to, went to Utah. Uh, Utah. That's for, right. And went, that's a great for Utah. Needed a good point. That kid's sick. He'll be good in Utah, and uh, you know. Uh, I'm just, you know, basketball, you know, sports right now. I always said I wish I would have did my sports podcast when I was 12 when I liked sports. Now I hate it. But, uh, um, you know, I'm just saying I get so frustrated with that. I you love like sports, hockey, though, right? Been a big turned on to a big hockey fan. I'll tell you what, hockey is the real man sport. Uh, uh, I really enjoy hockey. Uh, you know, I still love a baseball is a love of mine. I can't wait till the second half of the season. I really don't get into baseball until, the, you know, the, 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 the second half and the playoff push because then there's no other sports to pay attention to. And uh, college football is probably my favorite, like, glued to the television sport. I love the NFL, obviously, but so many of the, that shit, you know, and then you can't hit guys and, you know, it's a whatever and – uh, I love and I love college football. I'm a big college football fan. I could watch college football all day on Saturday from morning to night. So, dude, how about this Aaron Hernandez? Now they're saying two more murders. They're saying two more murders, and that like there's things that are gonna come out that we don't know. 20- I can't believe. When did this guy have time to play? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, listen, guys, I got to get to practice tomorrow, so we got to kill this guy. (laughs) Listen. Listen, dude, we got to kill this guy by dinner. I got practice. Hey, hey, coach, I'm not going to be able to play in the second half tonight. What, you bad back? Nah, I got two two murders I got scheduled. Right? I'll meet you. Tell you what, I'll meet you in. I'll meet you in Miami. What? Uh, no, 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 I'll meet you in Miami. Not a team fight. Well, first of all, this guy's going to jail. This guy's doing at least uh, at least ten for the four guns that are illegal. So that's what nobody's talking about. That's what happened to Plaxico Burrs. I I don't know the Massachusetts state law. In New York state, it's a minimum. That's what Mike Bloomberg said. It's a minimum of three years. So if you get caught in New York state, if they came into my house right now and found a gun here that was illegal, I'm going to jail for a minimum of three years. Good behavior. I might get out in two something like he did. This guy has four guns. I think two or three which were illegal. Maybe all four were illegal. And he's got those counts. So right there, you're talking fucking never playing football again. But now you're talking... Conspira- um, uh, you know what's sad about that law, though, is that big deal. I mean, people are already dead after the fact. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, he got four guns that he didn't. Yeah, well, that's three dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. At this point, yeah. it's like, you know, so I just think that the, I guess the only guy that's the only thing this guy learned from Belichick was how to destroy video evidence is for what I've read. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could have maybe taken. Oh, no, dude, some, your Tebow tweet. T- yeah, you got to tell my yeah, listeners. Uh, Law had had a great tweet about Tebow. He said the only thing Tim Tebow was ever accused of killing is a drive. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> how did first and ten turn into fourth and seventeen? What the hell happened there? Um, Yo, Aaron Hernandez is going a twenty-three-year-old guy with talent, and he's probably going to go to jail the rest of his life. Yeah, at like, least just, it's fucking really. It, really, it actually really is cr- like to get like it's kind of crazy like to be like I'm not even a Patriots fan, but I watched that guy play. I mean, the Giants played him, and you know, it's just like what a way to end your fucking career. And like you're like you're like a, you kill people. Like, it's crazy. 
Aren't I mean, you murder. Like, not you? not like like cold blooded murder. I said it when this thing came out. Beating somebody to like where they almost die or like, you know, doing that and you're like, Oh my god. I didn't want to be insensitive, but Sometimes accidents happen and then you have to cover it up because you're like, I'm, here's my choices. I'm either going to cover this up or try to, or I'm going to jail the rest of my life. And even though that's crazy and not right, I could see that. But a bullet through the through your head is just straight up execution. Yeah, that's execution it's, style. It's execution. That's just uh, diabolical. It's a, to exa- me. That's the word. It's just that's diabolical to me. Yeah, and yeah. when you can think diabolically, I don't think there's really any cure for you. Speaking of up. speaking of athletes that kill, they're doing a uh, murder. Uh, they're doing the the OJ murder, uh, the OJ trial. I'm sorry, they're making a movie. They're casting it now. Really? Yeah. And and then how funny is this? OJ, OJ, who's serving like thirty something years right now. OJ said, "Yeah, I'll contribute. I'll write." And the uh, director goes, "Absolutely not." Yeah. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> that might have a little slanted twist to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, all right, everybody. Well, listen, I had a great time on the show. Uh, we're going to do some plugs now. Um, Jason Lawhead, please check him out. I got to work with him on a tour in, in, in the biggest and best theaters in America, opening for Bill Burr, and it was amazing. And I got a chance to do um, four shows with him in New York this week, and we had a blast. He's hilarious, uh, and he's a great dude, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were on the Thanks, show. Thanks, man. I appreciate and, it. I mean, I've um, been looking forward to it. I, I love tell the you. podcast. And, and, uh, um, if, you no. like, if you like sports, you can listen to my podcast, Lawheads Court. It's uh, my last name, and it's uh, on iTunes, and I ramble about sports. I do it once a week, and uh, well, I like well, what we're you, doing. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my quick plugs, and I, and then I want to talk about where you're going to be, okay. where you're going to be, but... Um, uh, quick plugs is this week. Uh, tomorrow, I will be in Brooklyn at the Broken Comedy Show um, at 8.30 in Brooklyn. I will be at Gotham on the 2nd and Stand Up New York on the 2nd. Okay, so um, Monday, I'm at Broken Comedy in Brooklyn at Bar Matchless. The second, I am at Gotham and Stand Up New York. You can check that out. And I'll be headlining Bananas Comedy Club in Hasbrook Heights on July 5th and 6th. It's one show each Friday and Saturday, so please come out and check that out. And um, Jason has a popular new podcast, Lawheads Court, like he said. Sports talk, just like you heard. And listen, you heard passion uh, with him. And, and talk about your dates. And, and what is yeah, your podcast? And, and so let me ask you this. What is your podcast like? What so you you have a, is it like, um, I know you have a big one coming out with a legendary commentary. Yeah, talk about that week, for a yeah. second. So this week, is a, as a huge Cavs fan, um, my idol, the guy I kind of grew up, one of the first voices I ever heard was a, Joe Tate was our longtime radio play-by-play guy in Cleveland. He called it ever since we were expansion in 1970 he just retired two years ago actually the lebron's first year in miami was his last year so he called it all the way through lebron and uh he was there 40 40 years from uh 70 to 2010 and uh he's a legend and um in our communities well respected high regarded and he's one of the last of a breed he was one of the last ever to call the game by himself he he didn't have any one of these uh illiterate ex-players mumbling commentary next to him (laughs) uh you know he he just did the whole game by himself for 40 years he kept score um during the game he was just a great insightful broadcaster that could really paint a picture and he's agreed to come on and do my podcast so this week when i go back to cleveland and just to see some family for the fourth of july weekend uh, we're going to do a live remote at a, a local restaurant 
And uh, if you're in Cleveland and you're listening or if you're in that area, come on out. We're going to just sell $10 tickets at the door. You'll get to meet and take pictures with Joe afterwards, be a part of a live um, podcast broadcast that will be streamed out, and we'll make that available to the listeners uh, for a month on lawheadscourt.com. So if you want to listen to that uh, interview, and he, we're going to talk LeBron. We're going to talk Cavs. We're going to talk about the greats he ever saw. We're going to talk so much about the oh, NBA dude. and the things that uh, he was a part of. Yeah, right? So it's going to be a big thrill, and we'll make that available to, to our, our podcast listeners for a month, and then... Uh, after that, it'll be like a 99-cent download just uh, to, to try to turn on some new, new, new fans and everything like that. But we're going to make it, uh, we're gonna make it complimentary to the people that have, have been listening. So if you're listening, jump on to Lawheads Court. You'll be a new listener. You'll get to hear that interview for free. And um, I'm excited about that. Uh, some dates have changed for me towards the end of uh, July. I'm going on vacation, as I said, next week. I will be at the Mint in L.A. on June 23rd, which is a great show. Uh, with some great comics. Uh, the Men is a legendary club on Pico. It's the old music hall. Um, so uh, I, I'm doing that along with the podcast. I'm trying to plug in some more dates. Uh, um, this month I, I, I had a little bit of a uh, couple of fallouts at the end of the month, as you did. We'll kind of let that be known later on in life. Um, but I'm sure we're going to be working together soon again, Paul, with those dates and making up some stuff uh, uh, out there on the Billy Red State Tour, hopefully at the end of the month. So that's just kind of a, a work in progress, a little uh, something in limbo that we're trying to tie back together so um other than that uh you know i'm looking forward to you know uh doing some more shows and doing some more podcasts and uh that's hopefully moving to new york soon so um i've had a great time man this has been a great uh thanks for having me thanks for having me at the house the whole week your wife i mean you know i couldn't believe she slept with me that was amazing no i'm kidding (laughs) uh your kids are amazing um we like to make people feel yeah i mean it was really something else no Uh, the, the, your kids, your family, your mom, your mother-in-law, so many people I've met uh, that are close to you, and I, I know why you're such a great guy because you have great family and friends and people around you. So, um, They're keep, all keep right. it up. Keep it up. Um, no, uh, thanks for being here, man. You were a great guest. Really, really fun. Easy to talk to always, and truly one of the quickest, funniest guys that I've been around, and um, only getting better. So fucking Thanks, check man. out Jason Lawhead, and um, his site is legit, yeah. man. You got to see the Lawhead. JasonLawhead.com and LawheadsCourt.com. Dude, Law- Lawhead's Court, man, is a monster podcast. I mean, if you like sports and you like to listen to people be funny with it, man, you really, really got to listen to it. You could check the Verzi effect out, and you could check out Lawhead's Court, and listen to all the other stuff in the week, and you could basically just fucking get rid of regular radio. So so d- do that. Good luck with the yeah, with thanks, uh, Joe man. Get Tate, your butt man. out to LA, and then uh, you're on Lawhead. Nah, nah, fuck that. There. No, fuck I'm them. saying for no, a trip. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm, yeah, I'm um, and, ch- and check him out. Check out his website too. Um, also, please comments on iTunes. What you think of the podcast? And uh, please send your messages to Butterfly Radio. By the way, um, I had a couple. I had. Um, Butterfly radio message that didn't go through this week. I tried to open it, didn't go through. So send it to me, and I will address it. But uh, thank you so much. Check me out. I'm headlining Bananas uh, this weekend in Hasbrook Heights. And that's it, everybody. Till episode 117, I'm out of here. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks.